Hello, my beautiful friends. This is Andy, your host with the podcast for the days when you feel like a loser. And I'm just checking in, seeing how we're doing this week, how we're feeling. I know a lot of you are probably wondering, where the heck were you last week? And why was there no podcast? And I know I originally said I'm going to do weekly podcasts. That was always the goal, is to get to a point where I was doing weekly podcasts. And I know that in the podcast world, that's a very common thing. I have found for myself that that is completely unrealistic. (laughs) I cannot do weekly podcasts. With my health limitations, both mentally and physically, my full-time job, and the time I try to put into preparing for my podcast, I have to do every other week. I don't want to get to a point where I'm burnt out. I want this to be a project that I keep up and that is fun for me and that I look forward to doing. And it's really fitting, actually, because this week's episode is all about learning how to take a breath. And that's what I had to do last week. In my podcast up to this point, I've talked a lot about the why. Like why sometimes we feel like we're sitting in a fog and can't move forward. Why it's so crucial to love ourselves and to know who we are and to be kind to ourselves on the bad days. But from here on out, and I I mean, I guess it'll be a mix of both, but I want to start focusing more on the how. How do we pull ourselves out of those rough periods? How do we regroup after losing a round? How do we process, feel, and start over? So last week, this is what I needed to do. I needed to take a breath. If your canteen is empty, you have nothing to give. So it's okay to regroup. It's okay to say no. It's okay to refill your canteen. I think sometimes we get this overwhelming sense of guilt when it comes to taking a breath. We feel like we're letting people down. We feel like we have obligations we can't say no to. We feel like we'll be judged. That's garbage. We have to learn how to take a breath. So initially last week, I remember thinking, you're a loser if you don't do this podcast. Like, you need to do it. You've committed. You've committed to doing weekly. You're going to have to explain yourself to people. People are going to wonder where you are if you've just disappeared and dropped this or given this up. And, you know, you felt impressed to do this project, so you can't quit now. But then I had this thought, and it was a very simple thought, but it was reevaluate your canteen. And I, as I took a minute, and I sat and I pondered, I realized my canteen was as dry as if it had been out in the desert for days. And I thought about my loved ones and they were saying the same thing that I was feeling. Andy, take a breath, take a breath. And I realized like that's what I need to do. So what does that look like? I think taking a breath looks different for every person in every situation. But for me, it meant removing everything in my life that wasn't absolutely necessary. I had very little engagement with social media. Social media does really horrible things for my mental health when I'm not in a good place. So I was very rarely on social media. I worked hard at my job, but I also took time for myself and my body. I took naps. I took baths. There was one night where I got in the shower and I sang at the top of my lungs and just listened to my music. And I was seriously in heaven just taking that time. I watched shows. I spent time with my loved ones and my husband. And I took moments to just be by myself. And as I look back over the week, I realized that's exactly what I needed. 
that is what I needed. And I woke up today excited to start working on my podcast because my canteen was beginning to fill up once again. It is absolutely crucial that we take that time to recharge. And more importantly, that we recognize when we need to recharge and what is required of us to help us recharge. That's one of the biggest mistakes, and I do this a lot, where I'm like, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't have a whole lot left, but then I keep plowing through and I keep plowing through. It's okay to say no. It's okay to have a day for yourself. It's okay to cancel those things out that are not as important and just strip it down to the bare necessities and take a minute to regroup. You have to let yourself do that. That is so important. Sometimes this means taking a week, like I took the whole week, right? Sometimes it's even just a couple of hours. And every situation is different, every person is different, and your needs will change. But being able to recognize those moments where it's like, it's time, it's time. I need to just take a minute. I cannot overstate that necessity in our life. So part of my craziness in the last couple weeks was my sister. She is pregnant with my sweet little nephew, who I'm already completely obsessed with. And she was admitted into the hospital because she had a significant clotting disorder. Like clotting, yes, is very common, right, when you're pregnant. And we hear women all the time like, oh, I had a clot. My sister was literally clotted from her ankle up into her abdomen. They said that they have not seen clotting to this extent. They really didn't know what to do with her. She has a clotting gene that really escalated this problem. And she was very high risk for stroke. And she was in more pain than I've ever seen her in my life. My sister is a champ. She plows through everything. I have seen her like, there was one time when she got home from work and she had worked in the kitchen and she had seriously slit like used a knife and cut into like the muscle of her hands, like a very deep wound. And she just came in, her hand was above her head. She's like, yeah, it hurts. It's not a big deal. And my dad and I were the ones that were like, no, you're going to go to the hospital. No, we're going to stitch you up. Like that's not just you put a bandaid on it kind of a thing. So she plows through a lot and her and I both have had a lot of health issues. So that's kind of where our mind goes. Like it's fine. This is our normal. So when I tell you that my sister was sobbing from pain, I have never seen her like that. And there were moments where I honestly was like, am I going to lose my sister today? Am I going to lose my little nephew today? Are they going to be okay? And surprisingly, in the midst of this, I was really heavily involved, so I was able to stay collected. I do really well when I am involved in a situation, even if it's really intense and really traumatic, if I feel like I have some control and I'm understanding what's happening. So I didn't have like a meltdown or was super emotional because I just had to keep making sure that I was available. I stayed the night to help out. And the next day I assisted my brother-in-law in taking her to the hospital, getting them situated. I couldn't go in because of COVID, obviously, but I controlled what I could. And that really helped me. Like I ran errands and I was the one that kind of transferred information to other members of my family. Like I was on the phone. I feel like all the time during those couple of days because people would call me and be like, you're there, you're at the hospital or, you know, you're kind of our direct contact. Like what is happening? So being able to stay super busy where I could, like that's what helped me to stay collected. And this was a Friday. She went into the hospital on a Friday and she was admitted that night. And Saturday, 
I was just updated via phone because I couldn't really talk to her. At this point, she had been on a lot of medication. She had already had a minor procedure to put a filter into her heart. They were looking at other procedures. So my sister was in a ton of pain, really out of it, obviously. So I hadn't really talked to her hardly at all on Saturday and was mostly just conversing with my brother-in-law and my mom. So my mom had come into town. She is the nurse in the fam and obviously went into mama bear mode and was like, I'll be with my daughter. I'll be with my son-in-law. I'll help them with whatever they need. So she was kind of the third person that was allowed to be in the hospital. So I just went back and forth between my brother-in-law and my mom to find out what was even happening with my sister. And they did great. You know, I think they knew, obviously, that I was super worried. Everyone was worried. And so they really did the very best they could to stay in communication with us and let us know what was happening. But it was so fast-paced after she got admitted. There was just so many decisions being made that the longer she was in the hospital, the less control I felt like I had because I wasn't able to talk to her and there were so many decisions that that were in the making. We didn't have a set plan. So I found as the weekend went on, the more anxious I got. And that Saturday afternoon, so now she had been in the hospital one night, we're considering different procedures. That Saturday happened to be my sister-in-law's bridal shower. And I'm going off of two nights of no sleep and high adrenaline. And I still made an effort to go because I love my sister-in-law and I wanted to be there for her bridal shower. And her and I are really close. And I remember going to the bridal shower thinking, I am completely at the end of my rope, but I want to see family. So I'll just go and, you know, visit. And then I will go back to the hospital. And when I got there, I was so off, like having to transition and engage with people and put on a smile. I was just, I felt myself starting to shut down. Now, my sister-in-law understands mental health better than most, and her and I connect in so many ways. Like we're very similar. And I know I could have easily said like, look, I am at the end of my rope and I can't do this today. Like, I want to celebrate with you. Can we do another afternoon or do something just you and I? And I know without hesitation, my sister-in-law would have said, absolutely. Like, you take care of yourself. I love you. There's no hard feelings. Like, I totally 100% get it. I know that that would have been her response. But in my mind, I'm still like, this is how I need to show her today that I love her is I need to go to this party and I need to see my mother-in-law and my family and I need to engage and visit. And so I went and I plowed through just despite how I was feeling. And you know what happened? I left and I actually felt worse than when I had gone. Not because of any interaction. I mean, her friends are the sweetest and obviously I love her so much. I love my sister, my other sister-in-law who was there. I love seeing my mother-in-law. Like it had nothing to do with the party, but it had everything to do with I am continuing to pour out my canteen and it is just getting lower and lower and lower. And I really don't have a whole lot left. And I should have been true to myself in that moment, but I wasn't. And my sister-in-law was so great. I remember texting her and was like, I'm so sorry. Cause then I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling guilty that I went. And of course, a lot of the conversation is around me and my sister and everything that's happening. So I felt guilty about that. I felt guilty about, I was definitely cold. Like I felt like I was more standoffish. I really had nothing to give in terms of like engaging with new people and being really bubbly and friendly. That's just so opposite of where I was that day. And so I texted her and was like, please apologize to your friends because I feel like I came off as such a brat and I just am so empty right now. And she was the sweetest. She was like, absolutely not. Like, don't even think twice about that. And I knew she would be. But like I said, her of anyone, I could have said, 
let's just do another day, you and I. And she would have said, no problem. But I, in my head, said, you'll be a loser if you don't go. You need to just keep plowing through because that's what we do, right? We continue to plow through. And sometimes with really good intention, but I should have taken that moment to realize you need a minute. So I left the bridal party or the bridal shower and I went back to the hospital. I had to pick up the dogs. My mom was making a quick errand. She had the little dogs with her in the back of the car, the back seat, and she had to run up obviously and interact with the doctor. Now they're talking about this new procedure. You don't know when the doctor's going to come into the room. So it was like, he's here now. We need you. So she's running up. She's in the hospital and it wasn't too hot or anything like that outside. And the little dogs were playing, but we just didn't want them sitting in the car for very long. So I said, I will go to the hospital. I will get the dogs. So I pulled into the parking lot and I tried calling my mom, but of course there was no answer because she was with the doctor and she just texted and said, I'm, I'm with the doctor. I don't know how long I'll be. And so now I'm sitting here and I can't talk to anyone. I obviously can't talk to my sister. I have no idea what's really happening. I don't know how long I'm going to be sitting there for. This is now the second day in the row where I had sat in the parking lot for hours because just waiting and running errands and making sure everyone was taken care of. And I sat there and with every passing moment, I started to unravel. I mean, that was it, folks. I hit my breaking point. I felt tears start to roll down my cheeks. I began shaking. I was furious. I wasn't furious at anyone, but at everything that was happening. And the fact that I hadn't slept and I didn't feel well and I was completely out of control of the situation, there was absolutely nothing that I could do but wait. And you know, it wasn't even just the waiting and the worry. Like, yes, I was worried, but it was actually largely due to the fact that I felt like I had zero control. When the rug is pulled out from under me and I have no power to fix things, I have no control over the situation, that is such a trigger for me. And I actually talk about this trigger in my previous episode, and that's what it was, is feeling that lack of control that I just completely lost it. So here I am crying in the hospital parking lot, not knowing how long my mom would be, not knowing how long I was going to have to sit there. You know, I didn't have keys to her car, so I couldn't even get the dogs and go home. I'm just sitting there waiting. And I seriously lost my crap. I finally just texted my mom and said, look, I am not going to keep waiting. I can't keep waiting. I have to go home. So someone else can come and get the dogs. And in this moment, my mom being the amazing mom that she was, she instead of getting irritated or making a comment like you're being so impatient and there's a lot going on and you know you're acting like a five-year-old which I was she's completely valid to say all of those things with me but all she said she just sent a simple text and said it's okay baby go home I've got this and at this point that just shows who my mom is and I'm going to try not to get emotional talking about her but she knew that in that moment that's what I needed She could tell, like, she hadn't even talked to me. All I'm doing is snapping at her. And it must have been a simple impression and mother's intuition to say, it's okay. I've got this. You go home. At this point, the floodgates completely unleashed. My poor husband, he called me and I was trying to just wrap up a couple last minute things for him, a couple errands I needed him to run, and the call kept dropping. Guys, I seriously lost my mind. My poor sweet husband. I'm like yelling at him and in tears and just said, I'm going home. The call keeps dropping. I'm losing my mind. I love you, but I'm totally done. So 
I am going home. I'm locking myself in the room. If you need to talk to someone, like call my mom or get a hold of someone, talk to someone else. I'm not touching my phone unless it's an emergency. No one get a hold of me unless it's an emergency. I'm done. Now, my adorable husband, too, was like, okay, love you, bye. Like, I'm not even going to entertain that right now because she's losing it. And I I seriously was. I drove home, like, hyperventilating. I was crying so hard. Just sobbing hysterically. And I was so angry. Like, I remember turning up to God at one point in my car and it was just like, I freaking cannot do this anymore. Like, I am so sick of things happening that are not in my control. And I'm worried and I'm mad and I hate feeling like this. And I am just completely at the end of my rope. Like, I need something to give. And you know what? That's what I needed too. It was so good for me just to cry and to be angry and to be really honest with God and just say, look, this is where I'm at. I'm losing my mind and I'm so mad and I'm so upset. Like it was really freeing to be able to just be open and to share those things. I had bottled up emotion up to that point. I had not cried at all. And sobbing hysterically and just letting it all out. Like I got home to this empty house, which was so good that it was empty, right? Because that would have been disastrous for anyone involved. But I got home and it was just my dogs. And they're both looking at me like, mom is losing it. You know, they're kind of following me around. Like we don't really know what's happening. I inhaled some food. I went up to my room. I locked the door and I just knocked out for like a couple hours. And that is exactly what I needed to do. This is exactly what I needed to do. I woke up from the nap and, you know, my husband came home at this point. He's feeling it out. You know, any of you that are in a relationship have a significant other. You probably have had those moments where it's like, is someone going to die right now? Are we okay? Like, is it safe to enter? And it was kind of like that. (laughs) And he came into the room and I just cried and just let him hold me and was able to talk about what I was feeling. You know, we talk about anger a lot and... If you're are familiar with psychology or familiar with anger, you'll hear people say anger is not a base emotion. Like that's not the fundamental feeling that you're feeling. It usually is coming from other feelings that are building up and then lead you to this place of anger where you're just beyond reasonable. And I realized that after I took a minute to breathe, that that's what it was. I wasn't angry anymore. Now I was sad and I was worried and I could process through like that feeling of not being in control and why that was so hard for me. Talk about my anxiety. And I needed that moment. And I remember talking to my best friend. I called her too. And she had said, you know, Andy, it's okay to lose it sometimes. Like it's okay to take that minute and just put everything else aside. Like you don't need to feel bad about that. Like it was a good thing that you just took a minute. And I think about that a lot because I think we always tell each other to do that. You know, it's, we're very quick to say to a loved one, like take whatever time you need and practice that self-love. And then you're in the middle of it and you're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. And so this was such a good reminder for me, this whole episode, this whole weekend, as exhausting as it was, it was a reminder again for me to say, it's okay to take a breath. In fact, it's necessary to take a breath. That is so important. And me individually, and I know this to be true, that you can function so much better if you take a moment 
and like, I think we get really caught up in that guilt of, well, I can't, I can't afford to take a nap. You know, I should have just stayed at the hospital. I should have helped at the dogs. I should have just waited. I should have blah, blah, blah. We go down that rabbit hole, but going home, sobbing my eyes out, taking a nap. I woke up, I could regroup. I could have healthy conversations. (laughs) I could process. And then I was able to be the sister that I needed to be again and be in a place where I could go and help her again, or I could be available for family or have those conversations. And I had refilled my canteen and it just took a very little thing. So if you're in a bit of a rut or maybe you've just fallen back into a bad habit, or maybe we're having a bad mental health day, or we've been triggered by something from our past, take a minute. What do you need to pull yourself out of that? Separate yourself from the situation because we talk so much about regrouping, but it's not as easy as that. And if you're anything like me, you're going to lose it sometimes too and then realize, oh, I probably should have regrouped hours ago, days ago, but here we are. And that's okay. But assess what your needs are. What do you need? Do you need a minute by yourself? Do you need to talk to someone? Do you need to just go and drive in your car and listen to music? I do that more times than I can count. Do you need to meditate? Or have a moment with heaven? Do you need to go outside and be in nature? Like, what do you need to take a minute and figure that out? And it's going to be different for different situations. But completely separate yourself from the situation. And my mom, I think about even being a mom. You know, my mom and my stepmom were so good at this growing up. My mom would always had a saying, like, end the bad day. (laughs) Just end the bad day. Go to bed wake up refreshed, you know, if we were upset and stuff. But even them as moms, like obviously no one is perfect, right? And when you're a mom or you have little people depending on you or you have family depending on you or you have a significant other depending on you or friends or whatever it may be, we get to this place where we like, we just have to give and give and give and give. And we start to feel guilty about those moments that we take for ourselves. And my mom and my stepmom were a great example of those days when they were like, I am at the end of my rope. One, they could recognize it. They could state it. And then they did what they needed to do. Like maybe they had to go be in the yard by themselves. My mom loves being in the yard. You know, she would go, she'd mow the lawn, she'd be outside, whatever. My stepmom would say, you know, I'm going to go up in my room. I need to be by myself for a while. And that's okay. And in fact, your loved ones and the people that care about you, they will want that for you. They will want that for you. And if you're on the other end and you have a friend or you have a loved one that's hurting, maybe they're lashing out like I did to my mom. If you really love them, take a minute before you react and know that it's not coming from a place of anger towards you or coming from a place of I'm just going to be a brat right now and be so mean or so rude. Not that it justifies that behavior. Some people say really awful things when they're upset, and that's not okay, and I'm not justifying that, but I am saying I think we can all do a little bit better on the other end to be like my mom. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You go home. You do what you need to do. I've got things taken care of here. It's okay. And sometimes that's all it takes for someone to realize they're even in that space. Had she gotten mad at me or been like, you know, you're being a brat right now. You're being really selfish, which I was. You're lashing out at me, which I was. That would have just escalated that entire situation. And I will try to always remember that. And I want to be that kind of mom with my kids where there's so much more to this. Like, what are you feeling? What do you need to do to just take a minute? I hate that saying. 
Don't go to bed angry. I hate that saying. I think that's the stupidest saying in the entire world. And I'll tell you why. Because sometimes you're so mad and you're so upset or you've had a heated conversation. And when you're tired, everything is escalated. Everything. Okay. If my husband and I, we used to do that. Like I used to be the one that would push like, no, we need to talk about this. We need to fix it. We need to talk about it. We need to fix it. And finally we got to a place where we're like, you know, there are nights where we roll over and we say, I love you. And we know we're both irritated. We go to bed the next morning. We're like, okay, now we can talk about it, you know? And, and I think that's important with your loved ones, with your friends, with those that we care about. And even those that we don't know to remember, we all have those moments. We all need to take a breath sometimes and we all suck at it. I have yet to meet someone that's like, I'm really good at that. You know, it usually requires significant effort and significant self-awareness to say, I need five minutes or I need to turn off social media for the week or whatever it may be. I don't think anyone is really good about that because innately, I think we think it's selfish, but it's so crucial. It's so important and it's okay. But like most things in our life, we're not going to be good at it just because we want to be good at it. We have to practice it. So this week, I encourage you to take a breath like I did last week. Shut everyone out. Shut the world out. You know, and it doesn't need to be a week and it doesn't need to be anything significant. Like I said, it can be whatever you feel like you need to do. But find something. Pick something and say, this is what I'm doing today. Or if you're losing your mind one day and you say, I'm going to go lock myself in my room for five minutes. I'm just, I'm going to do that. I have things I need to do. I have people depending on me, but I'm doing this. Start practicing having those moments because I promise you it will get easier. And I promise you, you'll start to catch those moments earlier and earlier before you completely lose your mind to be able to say, this is what I need right now. And that's so healthy and it's so good. And you're deserving of that. You're deserving of that. We talk a lot about self-love, but this is the how. These are the things that we do to practice that. So do it. Take a moment. Take a breath. Take some time for you. And know that it's okay to do that. And until next time, my beautiful friends, I love you. I'm thinking of you. Know that I promise I will be here twice a month. I'm sorry that I cannot do every week. I'm sorry that that's not where I'm at. But I feel really peaceful about the transition because it's something that will make me better at doing this project. And it's something that I'm doing to practice self-love for myself is not putting too much on my plate and being unrealistic with my expectations. So in two weeks, Thursday, tune in. And I know some of you are worried or wondering and just as peace of mind, my sister is doing better. She's improving every day. No, she did not have a stroke. She's getting things under control. Baby is just living his best life and doing really well. So we are on the up and up. Next time, we're going to talk about the what if rabbit hole that we all tend to go down from time to time. And We're going to talk about ways to avoid the rabbit hole and get out of the rabbit hole once you're in it and to be able to ask ourselves a very simple question, so what? So what? Stop with the what ifs and start living your best life. So we're going to talk about that in detail. And until next time, my beautiful friends, have a great couple weeks. Take a minute to breathe. Know that I love you. We'll talk soon.